When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Thursday, December 29th, 2022, and this is our Music City Bowl preview podcast. We're going to preview the Mo- Music City Bowl, Kentucky versus Iowa down in Nashville on Saturday. It's a noon kickoff on ABC. It's a rematch of last year's Citrus Bowl in which Kentucky beat uh, Iowa 20-17 to down in Orlando, and to help us preview the game i talked to the guy who helped us out last year on this on this podcast before the citrus bowl and that's tom cakert who is the publisher of hawkeyereport.com the rival site that covers iowa athletics and to preview the cats i talked to our good friend my colleague at the herald leader does a great job covering kentucky football for the herald leader and kentucky.com john hale uh before we get to those interviews just a couple quick reminders number one we appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Go to Kentucky.com, hit on that subscription tab, check out all the offers for subscriptions to Kentucky.com or the print edition of the Lexington Herald Leader. I appreciate everybody who supports the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. You can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and our radio podcast that just helps get the word out about the podcast. It helps more people find the podcast. But Saturday, Remember, it's a dual Saturday. Kentucky plays uh, Louisville in basketball at noon on CBS and Kentucky football against Iowa at noon on ABC. I will be at the basketball game along with Ben Roberts and Cam Drummond. John will be at the football game. John Hale and Mark Story will be covering everything down in Nashville. So let's get to the interviews first with Tom Cakert of HawkeyeReport.com on the Iowa Hawkeyes. And then we'll be talking with John Hale of Daryl Leader and Kentucky.com about the Wildcats. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Tom Cakert, who covers Iowa for HawkeyeReport.com, the rival site on Iowa football and basketball and other sports. How you doing, Tom? Doing great. Uh, looking forward to the bowl game. Tom, you told me we are recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Tom, you're already down in Nashville. What, what's the weather like, and what's it supposed to be like this weekend? It's, it's warmer than Iowa. Uh, <laughs> so that doesn't take a whole lot. When I left Iowa, it was snowing, and it was below zero. Oh. And uh, uh, I went out for a walk a little bit ago, and it was uh, about 55 degrees. So it feels like shorts and a t-shirt weather for this uh, this Iowa boy. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. You can't beat that. Fifty five and so forth. That's good. That's great. Of course, Kentucky and Iowa on Saturday at noon in the Music City Bowl. Uh, Tom, what about the Hawkeyes? What kind of season have they had? I know they've had their struggles on offense, but look like they've been pretty strong defensively. But what were the expectations going into this season, and how, how did the season turn out? You know, it didn't meet the expectations of a lot of fans and and, uh, certainly a lot of struggles with the offensive side of the ball. Iowa is 
130th out of 131 D1 schools in total offense and first downs and just about every category uh, known to man. Uh, they really struggled on that side of the ball. They're only averaging 17.4 points per game. Uh, they just really could not get on track offensively. The defense has been really good most of the year, pretty solid. Um, led by uh, All-American, consensus All-American Jack Campbell uh, at uh, the middle linebacker position. So they just, um, you know, I think everybody had a, had pretty high expectations coming off last year and making the Big Ten title game. And really, they were in control of their own destiny, uh, making a return trip to the Big Ten title game, as strange as that could be uh, for a team that struggled so much on offense. And they lost the last game to Nebraska in pretty ugly fashion. And um, it just, uh, yeah, it's it's left kind of a bitter taste uh, this year and a lot of calls for change and uh, a lot of frustration from Hawkeye fans. Yeah, I know. And I think they're like Kentucky and that they're going to have some guys who are not playing in the bowl game. Who, who, who are some regulars for Iowa who we won't be seeing on Saturday? Well, you won't see their top two quarterbacks from this year. Spencer Petras, uh in the final home game against Nebraska, uh, he uh, damaged his shoulder, his throwing shoulder. So he's, I just saw him yesterday, and he's still in kind of a, a sling apparatus kind of thing uh, around his uh, right shoulder. So he's, he's out, and Alex Padilla his backup has entered the transfer portal and is not going to play. So they are going to uh, have Joe Labus, who is a redshirt freshman that has never taken a snap in a college game. And he is going to be their starting quarterback. And he offers them a little bit more mobility. And they've kind of added some things to the um, playbook. Uh, I'd look for more like RPO kind of things that Iowa really never does. Uh, but I think you're going to see some of that uh, in the bowl game. And also on the defensive side, I, I'd, I'd highlight uh, Kayvon Merriweather. He is uh, uh, their starting strong safety. He has opted out of the bowl game, uh, will not play. And he was a couple of services named him second team All-American. So significant loss there. Uh, they'll plug in uh, probably a five-star uh, true freshman uh, Xavier Wampa will probably see some action there. And also, I should note uh, two wide receivers uh, have entered the transfer portal. One who didn't play a whole lot this year, but it's probably their most, t- most talented wide receiver, and that's Keegan Johnson. And uh, he was one of the players that did not play in the bowl game. Last minute thing, got sick the night before the uh, Citrus Bowl last year and didn't play, and they really missed him. And uh, he's going to be out. He had a hamstring issue all year. And then uh, Arlen Bruce, uh, who had 19 catches this year, uh, he is uh, opted out and is in the transfer portal. Okay. Well, who are some of the guys to watch who will be playing for Iowa on Saturday? <laughs> who should who, uh, guys Kentucky fans should look for? Well, I, I'd highlight a couple of guys. I obviously mentioned Joe Labus, but uh, running back Caleb Johnson, uh, he is played really well uh, since taking over as the uh, starting running back and he's a true freshman rushed for 200 yards against Purdue so uh, he has had a really kind of a, a meteoric rise this year he's bigger uh, talked to him yesterday and after practice and uh, shared he shared with me that his hero kind of growing up is uh 
is Derrick Henry, uh, who plays for the Titans. So he is uh, he is very excited to play at Nissan Stadium uh, for the bowl game, to play on the same field that Derrick Henry plays on. Uh, I'd also uh, highlight Sam Laporta and Luke Lachey at tight end. You know, Iowa has a tradition of tight ends. Laporta hurt his knee against Minnesota, had a uh, scope done, missed the Nebraska game, uh, but he is uh, he's back. And in fact, uh, Laporta is working as their third string emergency quarterback right now as well. <laughs> uh, so we saw him t- taking some snaps today, which was interesting. Um, but yeah, he's he's back and healthy, and he's a, an NFL player. Uh, you know, probably a third, fourth round pick. And Luke Lachey really came on late in the year as another tight end. And then probably their top receiver is Nico Ragini, who is a, um, a veteran guy. Just announced yesterday actually that he's coming back for his uh, sixth year. Is he's going to take COVID year and uh, come back next year? It'll be a huge addition. He's got. Uh, 35 catches this year for Iowa on defense. Uh, I mentioned Jack Campbell. Uh, he is, uh, you know, as, as good as it gets, won the Buckus award this year as best linebacker in the country. And, you know, frankly could sit out this game and, uh, and, and some wonder why he's not, uh, but he just wants to put on the Iowa jersey. He's an Iowa kid. Um, also mentioned Seth Benson, the other linebacker, veteran senior, just doesn't make mistakes. Riley Moss, at uh, corner, a uh, really talented player who was the uh, Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year last year in the conference. Cooper DeGene is the other corner, really, really talented kid. He's just one of those kids that the, the ball finds him all the time, and he'll also handle uh, punt returns. And then up front, uh, probably throw out Lucas Van Ness. He's going to be a first or second round NFL draft pick eventually. Uh, he hasn't decided if he's going this year or not, but he is... Uh, uh, really explosive off the edge, can move down uh, to tackle as well. And uh, he, he's, uh, his arrow is pointing way high right now. Really? Okay. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Tom, you know, these two teams played in the bowl game last year in the Citrus Bowl. Kentucky came out on top. Has there been much talk about this being a revenge game for Iowa, or is it the, just it's a different season with a, a lot of different players and you can kind of throw last year out? Yeah, there really hasn't been a whole lot of, I mean, if you bring it up, they'll say, oh, yeah, I guess. But <laughs> I think the, I think the big thing that they want is they, they've they got a bad taste in their mouth from that Nebraska game and, and losing a trophy game. And, and they don't want to, uh, especially the seniors, they do not want to end with an L. Um, they they want to go out on a high note and with a, with a W. And I, I think that's just, that's uh, something I've heard a lot from, especially the guys on defense, because that's where most of the senior starters are, are on the defensive side of the ball. And they, they to a man, have just been like, yeah, we, we just, we just want to win, a, uh, close out with a win and close out our careers with a win. Right. So what, so what does Iowa have to do on Saturday, you think, to get the victory over Kentucky? Uh, no turnovers. Uh-huh. I think that's going to be a, a, a huge deal. I think, uh, you know, I think we both probably expect this to be pretty low scoring offenses, both pretty challenged to begin with. And now you're dealing with, you know, second, third, fourth string quarterbacks going to play. And right. um, so you've, you know, you're just, and there might be some, uh, some rain on Saturday and that's probably not going to help a whole lot. Uh, and you've got receivers who have opted out and, it's just going to be, uh, you know, kind of a uh, 
a trench warfare kind of game, I think, where both teams are going to try and run the ball if they can and and uh, try to get that going. And, and the other thing I, I, I found interesting is both teams have not done a great job of protecting the quarterback this year. I know Iowa's given up over 30 sacks. I think Kentucky's over 40. Right. And, um, you know, I think protecting their their inexperienced quarterbacks is going to be paramount to uh, success. And if uh, one of the lines ends up not doing that as well as the other, then uh, it could be a long day uh, for, for that team. I I just think Iowa's defense probably a little, little bit uh, saltier for this game, a little bit better um, to seem more engaged, and maybe that's going to carry the day for them. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for both fan bases, as you mentioned, with the guys out and new guys in their place to see how they do, like you say, especially at the quarterback position. I think the over-under on the game, is when I looked this morning, is 31, 31 yeah. points. Of course, you know, we kind of joke sometimes, you know, you expect a low-scoring game and, you know, maybe there's a bunch of turnovers and it turns out to be a high-scoring game. You never know. But it sure does point to a defensive battle on Saturday. That's for sure. Uh, top tip, remind the listeners how they can check out your work leading up to the game and during the game and after the game. Yeah, we'll go to uh, HawkeyeReport.com and uh, you can check out all of our work uh, work there and, and uh, we'll have plenty of stuff. I have my game preview up on Friday and uh, have plenty of stuff going on. You know, if you want updates going up to kickoff on what I was doing, I'll be putting up a lot of stuff. And you can also follow me on on Twitter at Hawkeye Report and uh, jump on there and and uh, I'll be providing updates. I, I always do a live from the press box thing before before the game, two three hours before the game to get things rolling. Well, Tom does a great job covering Iowa. They do a great job on all the rival sites and on the HawkeyeReport.com site. Tom, have a good time in Nashville. Uh, enjoy the game on Saturday, and we sure appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks, John. Love to come on. Okay, I want to thank Tom Kakert of HawkeyeReport.com. Be sure and check out all of his work leading up to, during, and after the game, the Kentucky-Iowa game on Saturday. And after the break, we'll be talking to John Hale of the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, I want to welcome into the podcast John Hale, who covers UK football for the Herald-Leader at Kentucky.com. How you doing, John? How was your holiday? Good. We got a new baby, so that is uh, an excellent holiday so far. <laughs> yes, congratulations, congratulations on that, uh, on uh, the the new arrival, and uh, how's that how's that uh, affected your sleep schedule? Uh, it's not great at the moment, but uh, we'll, we're we're working through it. Um, you know, at least uh, she timed it pretty well for the uh, for the schedule for me. So it came early December and uh, during the down period. And, Got home. We, we adopted her in, in Texas and got home just before signing day. So going to make it to the bowl. That was convenient, at least. That's well. Once again, congratulations uh, to you and Amanda. And uh, that we were all thrilled to hear the news uh, about uh, about your new addition to the family, uh, Kentucky. And but you will you will be there on Saturday. I will not be there on Saturday at the bowl game. I'm staying back in Lexington for the basketball game. But you will be in Nashville for the Music City Bowl, Iowa. Obviously, a lot of Kentucky. You know, some player significant players have either opted out or not going to play in this game. Uh, you wrote a, a story that's on Kentucky.com right now about the players kind of trying to drown out some of the negativity surrounding the bowl. Uh, what do you think? I mean, what do you think about Kentucky? I mean, they always talk about the teams that win bowl games are the ones that are motivated to be there and do well. What do you think Kentucky's motivation level is for this game? 
It, you know, it, it was interesting. We talked to Kenneth Horsey last week, and he was so passionate about, you know, he got asked basically, what do you say to people who say that these non-playoff bowls are meaningless? And he says, I, I just despise that and gave this great answer about, you know, if, if you're a real Kentucky fan and you, they, we told you you could only watch one more Kentucky football game in your life, do you care who we play? Of course not. You watch us play in the parking lot or whatever. And so uh, he also made the point that, you know, because of the after the opt outs, after the, you know, I think that's 11 guys in the portal who are not going to be available for this game. Everybody in that locker room right now wants to be there. And that's a big difference. There's nobody kind of sucking the energy down. So I think all of those things are positive. And, you know, we'll see when it shows up on the game, you know, not being there for these bowl events in person. It's hard to get a, a, a specific kind of gauge of what the, the mood is. I do remember in 2017, uh, last night, seeing some people tweeting videos from the, the welcome party that both teams were at. Uh, I was there in 2017 when they played Northwestern in this game, and, and they showed up to that welcome party. And it was just clear from the second they got there that Kentucky was there to have fun and Northwestern was there on a business trip. And so I don't think the result of the game was very surprising. Since then, since those first two bowls, Kentucky's been really good about showing up motivated. I mean, even in what 2020, when they'd had a really disappointing season in the COVID SEC schedule, they came down and played well against NC State in the Gator Bowl. So they, to Mark Stoops' credit, he's been found a way to get his teams ready for these games. So I expect them to be motivated. I don't think they're going to lay an egg from that standpoint. That being said, you're down, you're starting quarterback, you're starting running back, when you're starting corners, when you're starting linebackers, a bunch of depth gone in the transfer portal. You don't have an offensive coordinator. So even if you show up motivated against a top 10 defense, that might not be enough. I, I think that's the real question this week. The other big question, I think, is quarterback uh, with Will Levis not playing, Destin Wade, Kaya Sharon. If you had to guess right now, who's going to be the starting quarterback? It's, you know, I, I was going through the whole month assuming that Kaya Sharon was going to start, and then, but Destin Wade was going to play a significant amount. It just felt like, you know, it's a little much to ask a guy who's never played in a college game before to make his debut in a bowl game in his hometown against a top 10 defense. That was all going to be a little much to ask of him. But then last week, after one practice, Vince Merrill came out and Destin Wade was the only quarterback he talked about. Uh, Mark Stoops has been much more cagey in his public comments about the quarterback, basically admitted that there's no reason for us to tell you who's going to play because we need to keep Iowa guessing as much as possible. I think both of those guys are going to play. You know, it's worth noting that on the depth chart, they asked, actually listed Deuce Hogan also as, as you know, a possible starter. That would really surprise me because it felt like he got passed by both Sharon and, and Wade during the regular season, but he did play for Iowa. He's probably got the strongest arm of the group, so maybe we see him a little bit too. But uh, I, I think I'll stick with my gut and say Sharon starts, but maybe Destin Wade plays the most of the, of the three. And when Destin Wade does play, I mean, is it going to be more of a run-oriented packages, or do you think he's going to have – well, we don't really know what kind of offense you're going to run because obviously Rich Gangarello was let go at the end of the year. I think we're all assuming that Liam Cohen is going to be the guy for next year, but he's not here yet. Uh, do we have any idea what kind of offense are going to run it? And when they put Destin in there, is he, is he going to run free reign to run the whole offense, or is he going to be mainly a running quarterback? I, I think it's, you know, I mean, I asked Barry and Brown this last week, basically how many, you know, have you been adding new wrinkles and stuff? Have you been changing the offense for the regular season? And, and he admitted, and I think this is true, like there's just not enough time right now to make wholesale changes. They're basically going to run the same offense that Rich Gingarell ran. It sounds like 
uh, Scott Woodward and, and Vince Merrow are kind of co-coordinating this game and, and calling plays. So we'll see how that goes. If there's no one single voice making the decisions, but I think they'll probably kind of have specific packages within the scheme for both quarterbacks in terms of what they do well and what Destin does well is he runs. He can make plays with his legs. He uh, has a stronger arm and a more accurate arm than I think people expected when he got here. There were real questions about whether he was going to stick at quarterback um, in college, and, and those seem to be quieted for now. But if you're going to have a chance to win this, you got to play your strengths. And one of the strengths is Iowa's never seen Destin Wade. And, and we know that Kentucky didn't run Will Levis very much this year because of his health. So that's something that's not really on film a lot. I think they will do that. Vince Merrill even brought up the fact that, you know, Eddie Grant's still sitting there in the offices. You know, we know what Eddie Grant was successful at with Lynn Bowden at quarterback and Terry Wilson and Steven Johnson and those guys with dual threat QB. So I assume we'll see quite a bit of that. But I also don't think they're going to be like super aggressive. I think the game plan will be pretty conservative. Find a way to get Barry on Brown and Dan Key and maybe, you know, a freshman like Jordan Anthony, who's as fast as anybody to the ball in space a few times, but they're not going to take big risks because they know they can win this game seven to three or whatever, because Iowa's offense is putrid too. And they're down to their third string quarterback. So uh, right. neither team's going to want to make a bunch of turnovers and give short fields or anything. They're going to try and play this conservatively. I think. Right. Uh, no, no Chris Rodriguez in this game. Does that mean we're going to see a steady diet of Juton McLean or are there some other guys that we haven't seen a whole lot of we might see in this game? I mean, I think McLean will get the lion's share of the carries. He was certainly impressive down the stretch and, and maybe even more so than uh, than we thought in some of those short yardage situations that there were a couple couple games in particular where they had the ball backed up you know inside their own five and and he got a couple carries and got him out into some breathing room which i thought were pretty impressive but he's a small guy and you know health has been a real issue for him throughout his career he's just not as durable at, at that size as chris rodriguez is so you're gonna have to see lavelle Wright, i think quite a bit in this game too you know he was a guy i thought was probably their best option at running back going into the season when Rodriguez was suspended. And he just really didn't make the most of that first month of the year and then disappeared from the rotation after that. But he's bigger. He has the size. We've seen glimpses of that potential before. So I think he's going to play quite a bit in this game. And those are technically their only two scholarship running backs available on the roster. But then a guy like Deep Beckwith, who's moved around to different positions, maybe he's your emergency option. I don't think we'll see much of him. Uh, but he he would be the third guy, I guess, if you had to have one. A lot of emphasis on the offense, obviously, with Levis uh, and Rodriguez not playing. Also, some other injuries over there. Uh, but what about the defense? DeAndre Square tweeted his farewell to uh, BBN. Uh, I guess it was yesterday. Uh, he's not playing in this game. Uh, what what about uh, Carrington Valentine has opted out of the game. He's going to prepare for the NFL draft. But what about on the defensive side of the ball? What are you looking for there? Yeah, I think that they're, they're still in pretty good shape. I mean, cornerback's a real question because, you know, the third cornerback for most of the year was Max Hairston, and the one play we really saw him on the field, he got burned for that long uh, long completion right before the game-winning touchdown against Vanderbilt, so that wasn't a great start to his career. That's that's a real doubt, I think, at this moment. But uh, Andrew Phillips played really well at nickel uh, in the second half of the season. It sounds like he's going to get more reps at corner where he started the year at, so maybe he can hold his own there. A guy like Jordan Robinson, who you know is easy to forget, is a, one of their transfer class last year. He came from Division II Livingstone College. Uh, he's going to play a little bit, I think, in this game at corner. He's 6'4", so he has a, the size that nobody else does. But 
my f- worries at corner are less because I don't think Iowa's going to be able to throw the ball around very much. I mean, their best receivers are tight end, so uh, that's going to be more on the linebackers and the safeties to deal with, and that's a spot Kentucky feels good at because it, it's obviously a loss to not have DeAndre Square, especially if you think about how important he was on the Citrus Bowl last year against Iowa. But, you know, he missed most of the second half of the year with an injury anyway. So Trevin Wallace and Derek Jackson, those guys have plenty of experience now. They're veterans, basically. Uh, Jock West Jones is going to play after missing most of the second half. So between that group, I think you, you feel pretty good about where the defense is, even even down a couple guys. Uh, Kentucky has a uh, bowl winning streak on the line uh, on Saturday. Well, wh- what do they have to do to extend that streak, you think? What are the keys to this game? I mean, I think the defense has to play up to its potential against an offense that's really, really bad, frankly, against Iowa. Uh, so that, you know, they can't let Iowa score more than, you know, a couple touchdowns, I think, to have a chance. And then the offense has to avoid the mistakes that we saw too many times this year. You can't have, you know, offensive line struggles to where they're getting whoever the quarterback has sacked a bunch. You can't have penalties. You can't have turnovers. You know, if, if they can find a couple big plays, just a, a way to get Barry on Brown the ball in space and, and let him do his thing, you know, maybe break a long touchdown that way. I think that's that's a really good kind of recipe to winning this. Maybe Brown breaks a long kickoff return or something like that. That, that would help for sure. But it's got to be pretty clean on offense, whether they're putting up big points or big yards. You just can't have the mistakes that will give Iowa short fields. I think that's that's really important this week. Um, I was talking to Tom Leach on his show earlier, and he made the point that it feels a little bit like that 2011 Kentucky-Tennessee game where you know, there was just so much mystery about Matt Roark at quarterback. And so they, they went out and, and took advantage of the uncertainty on that first drive and got a field goal, and that ended up being the difference in the game. It, it might be something like that. you know. Uh, be patient. Be conservative. Don't get overly aggressive early if it's not working because I think that Kentucky's going to win. This is going to be you know at most a, like 17-14 kind of game. Yeah, I think 31 is the over-under, so you might be right on it. Uh, uh, John, before I let you go, let's look ahead a little bit to next year. Uh, We haven't talked since uh, signing day last week. What were your impressions from uh, the early signing day, I might add? What were your impressions from the early signing day? Obviously, the the bigger news, I think, was the – uh, the, the transfer portal signings, especially quarterback Devin Leary uh, and running back Ray Davis from there at Vanderbilt. Uh, what were your impressions overall of how Kentucky did in the early signing period? I thought it was a really interesting kind of example about how signing day is different now in this age of the transfer portal because, you know, there's no argument the high school class is just not as good as it was last year. I mean, that was arguably the best high school class Kentucky's ever signed in, in the modern era. And we saw how that paid off with Barry on Brown and Danky and Deion Walker and Josh Caddis, those guys coming in being not only contributors, but frankly, star players from basically day one. I don't know that they have a bunch of freshmen in this class who are going to do that. But when you combine what they did do in the high school class with what they did in the transfer portal, getting Devin Leary, getting Ray Davis, getting two offensive linemen led by Marcus Cox from uh, Northern Illinois, who's going to probably be your, your left tackle next year, add a couple defensive backs because they need some competition there at corner. You filled some holes with veteran guys with a lot of potential. You put those two together, and it's, it's a pretty nice class overall. So if you look at it as a whole, you know, I think that's a really good uh, – it was a good day for Kentucky. If you look at it just as the high school class, you know, there's some questions about why they didn't build on the momentum of last year. 
Yeah, I mean, and and the other thing to me, the takeaway is, I mean, I don't think Devin Leary would come here, or maybe not even Ray right. Davis would come here if they didn't know that Liam Cohen is going to be the guy, even though Mark won't say it yet. Obviously, <laughs> you got the NFL, they've got the Rams have two more games, but to me, it was just another signal that uh, kind of solidified that Liam Cohen is going to come back for Liam Cohen 2.0 as Kentucky's offensive coordinator. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's just no way that the top-ranked quarterback in the transfer portal, as he was at the time, is going to sign here if he doesn't know what the offensive future is. And Vince Merrill, it was the closest as anybody has come to saying that last week, like right before signing day when I asked him, how are you like pitching recruits on the offense right now? And he's like, well, if it's the guy I think it's going to be, uh, we're in a good shape. So I think we all know where this is going. <laughs> right, even though Mark won't say, because you tried, you gave it a good try on signing day. <laughs> But, yeah. but he won't say it, uh, obviously. Uh, they don't want to do anything, you know, obviously Liam's got, Liam has made it clear about fall, you know, finishing out the season with the Rams. they got two more games to go. Uh, so, but, yeah, I think I don't think there's any doubt at this point that it's going to be Liam Cohen's going to return as the offensive coordinator for next year. But we've got still got this year uh, to finish up with the Music City Bowl on Saturday. It's a noon kickoff down there in the the Tennessee Titans home stadium, a rematch from uh, last year. John, remind the listeners how they can follow you on Twitter and all your work uh, leading up to, during, and after the game. Yeah, it's um, John Hale, J-O-N-H-A-L-E underscore H-L on Twitter. And, of course, we're all at Kentucky.com doing uh, dueling uh, coverage of the football and basketball games on Saturday. We'll see if anybody's tuning into either of them uh, with the, team, the way the teams are playing right now. But, you know, hopefully hopefully people are paying attention. Right. Yeah, John and Mark, um, follow Mark's, uh, Mark's story. Mark, follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C Story. They'll be uh, covering everything down in Nashville. John, congratulations again on the new addition to the family. And, as always, we appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks to my guests, Tom Cakert of thehawkeyereport.com and John Hale of Kentucky.com. Be sure and check out the podcast. We'll have a podcast previewing the basketball game, Saturday's Kentucky-Louisville basketball game as well. Look for that for wherever, wherever you find your podcast. A uh, quick reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. And be sure and check out all of our work on Kentucky.com. We'll have plenty of coverage of both those games, the football and basketball game, on Saturday. Thanks again to Tom Caker. Thanks again to John Hale. And thanks to everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.